Hello. Welcome to the Zuper FM podcast, Field Service Your Way, with me, Michael Israel. In this podcast series, we'll chat with field service experts and veterans to learn how they exploit technology solutions, along with a completed service work culture and philosophy, to advance their field service operations and enrich their customers' experiences. Now, let's gather some insights from today's guest. Hello and welcome to Zuper FM, Field Service Your Way, with your host, Michael Israel. How you doing, Michael? Hi, Michael. How are you? I'm doing great today. How about yourself, Wendy? Oh, it's looking like a really fine day. So what are we going to be talking about? Well, we're going to be talking with uh, Vanessa Hunt, who is the founder of Vanessa Hunt Consulting, and she is based in the United Kingdom. And we're going to be talking about change management, specifically as it pertains to field service and implementing field service technology. And I'll let Vanessa go ahead and describe that a little bit more. So Vanessa, hello. Thank you so Hi. much for joining it to, joining us today. Thanks very much, Michael. Great to meet you. Likewise. And uh, tell us, where in the UK are you based? I'm based in South Bucks, which is just west of London. Uh, if you've ever flown into Heathrow, and then I'm about 20 minutes from there. So yeah. very convenient for travel. <laughs> great, great. Yeah, I've flown into Heathrow a few times. So <laughs> I just did a brief introduction of what we're going to be talking about. But let me ask you, from your perspective, what are we going to be focusing on in today's conversation? Yeah, today I thought it would be a really useful topic um, for those people that are implementing field service management um, applications um, to really talk about how that affects users and how you can imp improve or make user adoption even better um, with your field service apps. So we're going to be focusing on change management and all the things that are required in, in order for change to be successfully adopted and sustained, really, right? That's right. You've summed it up nicely. Um, and, I, and I think one of the things that we sometimes overlook is the fact that field service users may only use a very small part of an application and they're predominantly doing it on a mobile device. So that has its own challenges compared to users who are maybe in the office and they are using a different screen. They see different things to their users and they may make some assumptions about how easy certain tasks are to perform or not on the mobile. Yeah, that's great. I'm really looking forward to this because I'm a, a certified change management professional as well. So uh, this is going to be a very interesting conversation. And I love the point that you just made that the people in the back office see things differently than the people in the field. And yeah. actually, it's it's quite a bit different, not just from a the perspective of what is the screen you're looking at, but the whole attitude of people is different. The whole experience level of where they come from is different. So if you're going to be implementing a field service management solution that's going to be used on mobile devices by the technicians, the men and the women in the field, it's really, really important to understand their perspective, not mm -hmm. the perspective of the dispatcher or the manager or the person that bills for services, but the field services, field service engineers perspective. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And 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 to be honest, you know, what they want to do is just get on with the job. You know, they want to perform <laughs> the job. And so that any kind of frustration that affects them being able to do that, you know, in, in a convenient manner, in an efficient manner, 
you know, it, it, it doesn't help with customer service. If, if the technician is frustrated about the tools that he's using, you know, just to get to the, the destination. And then equally, there are so many benefits of, of having the mobile app and being able to see information that you didn't have before and also contribute extra information, maybe photographs, for example. So we just want to make sure that those benefits are really called out for the field technicians as well. Yeah, no kidding. I, I completely agree with everything that you just said. So what do you think are the essential steps in making sure that change management is successfully implemented and followed and results in a sustained new process using the new technology that has been implemented? Mm -hmm. Well, I think certainly the first step has to be, you know, being really clear about what the objectives are and the goals for introducing this new technology. Again, sometimes a project can be launched and, you know, the people that know last, you know, the last minute, what, you know, why it's being being implemented are the end users. So there's a lot of assumption made potentially about how, how much people already know about the project you know many things may have happened previously you know the actual crm being implemented you know there may be a help desk then the field service part so making sure that we communicate with those users that are at the very end of the food chain right from the beginning i think and, and getting them involved you know maybe just with a light touch but making sure that they um, receive those communications about the overall scope scope of a, a project that's potentially you know quite long. So it's definitely objective setting and communications, which you'd expect with any change management program. But then also being really clear about what the involvement of the team needs to be. So again, with user testing, you know we we always plan for testing, obviously before training. But again, this kind of testing can be quite complex because you maybe need to have yep. you know two or three different groups in the room. And actually getting people's availability, you know, can be quite tricky. Again, lots of limited resources these days with recession. So, you know, we want to make sure that we line up those teams and that they know really early on, you know, what their involvement is going to be, what the effort is and where they need to be in order to do all of this user acceptance testing. And, you know, and, and, and it may even be in different you know, regions and locations as well. So that, lays, you know, adds an extra layer of complexity. Yeah, I, I let me talk a little bit about the role that the field service engineers need to play early on in the process yeah. as well. Yeah. I've been involved in a lot of research over the past several years where we have actually asked field engineers what is important to them, what do they like about their job specifically, why are they in this job, and what do they dislike about the job. And yep. two things really stand have stood out in all the research that I've done that, and the companies that I've been with have done. Number one is field service engineers are in the business of being field service engineers because they like fixing things. That is the overwhelming answer that we've gotten in surveys that I've been involved in. Mm -hmm. Guess what the thing is that they don't like the most? <laughs> Technology. <laughs> no, it's actually paperwork. If you think about uh, okay, it okay, from, okay. from that standpoint, it's filling out forms, whether yeah. or not they have to do it on paper or uh, using a mobile device or log into the web. They really, really dislike filling out forms. Yeah. So I think that when you're implementing a new field service management system that is going to involve out of necessity, the data capture that the field service engineers are going to have to do it's really important to make sure that some core group of field service people 
are involved in the selection process of the field service technology that you're going to implement. So I, I would say that one of the steps that needs to that that people need to follow is make sure that they take their top there. I, I would argue the top people in the field, right? Yeah. Make sure that they are involved in the selection process so that to the extent that they can articulate to the people that are making the selection and doing the evaluation. These are the things that are most important to us from a user perspective. And then once, of course, that the selection is made, I think it's really, really important that that same group of people and perhaps an extended group of people are also involved in the in heavily involved in the initial implementation that I guess the piece of advice I would give with regard to the early, early adoption and early selection is be sure that you include some relevant, important people from the field service staff itself. Yeah, absolutely. And then, sorry, yeah, we kind of, we kind of skipped straight into implementation rather than talking about requirements analysis. Um, and, and you're absolutely right. One of the things that is, is often overlooked is what are the, the challenges? What are the pain points, you know, to use a common phrase mm-hmm. um, that those engineers, um, you know, are, are faced with. And, you know, we, we have, you know, lots of different approaches we can take to gathering those requirements and you know, requirements from the team. Um, but using Moscow, you know, must have, should have, could have, will have to help yeah. you prioritize those requirements as well. To explain why a particular solution may have been, you know, selected over another is also imperative. And, and you're right, you know, the what we want to do is make sure that the software that is selected is as close as possible to those requirements. You know, often it's not, you know, 100% match, but certainly, you know, being able to highlight why one solution was chosen over another, how they compare, and, and, and also going through some hands-on pilots as well. You know, I always say it's best to find out the, the peculiarities early <laughs> and 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 that also really helps you highlight whether what you said you thought were the main issues are the main issues so you know sometimes people can really stumble particular area because the requirement wasn't clear enough initially but once they start doing prototyping and testing and you know going through those kind of custom demos with vendors that's where you can really uncover you know what's what are those requirements and what's the priority yeah, I, I agree. A couple of points that I, I want to reflect on that you touched on as well. One is that the last thing in the world that the field service force is likely to accept, readily accept and happily accept is a decision that's made by somebody that's not in their shoes, right? So the back office, the, the back office, the management, the dispatchers make the decision about what solution is going to be implemented. And then the field service people say, what, what is this? Nobody asked me about this. Right. So you don't want to go through that process. You just to reiterate and reemphasize what we've already said, it's really important to engage a portion of the field service staff early, early on. And then secondarily, the other thing that you just mentioned as well is the, the notion of pilots and prototypes. And I think that's that's really important as well. I, I have always recommended, and I've been in field service for a long, long time. Uh, and I've always recommended to people that, uh, especially in large implementations where there's many people involved and many processes involved, that you set up some kind of a pilot to begin with and run through that pilot and engage the field service people in that pilot and engage field service people that are more likely to have a positive attitude about it. 
rather than being naysayers. And the reason for that is that if you're implementing a major solution, such as any field service management system is, early on, you want to develop champions so that those champions will, pardon the reuse of the phrase, champion the concept and the, and the solution going forward to their peers yep. and their subordinates. So I think that's a really, really important step too. And the best way to do that is through an initial pilot or prototype program to test the system further, to refine it, to identify configurations and customizations that need to be changed before it's rolled out to the entire community. And I, I think that's not so important in small organizations where there's a handful of technicians, but in large organizations, I think that's a really important step that people should consider. Yeah, and I think what you said about champions is really, you know, really interesting as well, because it's also those people that are best respected amongst the team. So those with the loudest voice, you know, it may not necessarily always be the most possible people or the most technical. So sometimes it's also useful to get somebody that maybe isn't as technical, um, but is well respected amongst the team um, to also be involved to, you know, to show how easy it is to use this new technology. But I think, yeah, it's it's really also about creating that vision of what's possible, you know, and the energy and excitement about something that's new. And again, if we haven't been involved, you know, right from the very beginning and, and helping drive the way that, that that software is then customized or configured, then yes, it can very, very much feel like, you know, something's been done to you rather than you being part of the solution. Yeah. And, and I think you said something too, uh, just a second ago that is important and that is ease of use. And so I think it, it is important that the champions, so to speak, are able to convey to their peers and subordinates how easy the software is to use for them. But even more importantly, what is the benefit that has been achieved by implementing this software? How has the software made it easier for the champions to do their job so that they can convey that to the other people in the organization? And how has the software varied or differed from whatever they were doing before and how is it better than what, what they were doing before and why is it better for this the other field service engineers so it's important for the champions again so to speak to be able to convey those ideas to the rest of the team in addition to in addition to touting how easy the software is to use compared to what they might have had before so it's yeah. the whole message that they need to convey to the rest of the team as well. And having them involved in the early implementation is going to make that easy for them to do, I think. Yeah, and I think another thing you can do to really understand, you know, things from the field technician's points of view is also just, you know, shadow them on the job. Um, again, we all say, oh, we know what they do. You know, they go out, they, you know, they're in a van, they implement this, they fix this, they install this. But I think actually you know, showing that the project team is prepared to spend time with them and see how they work and what they do and what they spend time on. Again, it might uncover some opportunities to, to save time or do things better that were not originally part of the initial program or project. Um, I, I, so, you know, being being not just asking the technicians to give their time and, and, and effort, but also show that that goes both ways. Yeah, I think that's a really important point. It, re it reminds me of two things. One is this principle, if you want to think of it that way, a management principle of management by walking around. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. And, and what you just said kind of and kind of made me think of that immediately because if 
if you're a dispatcher, if you're a field service manager, if you're somebody that's responsible for billing for service contracts and time and material, it would be extraordinarily valuable for you to go spend some time in the field with the actual technician to see what it is that they do on a daily basis. What problems do they encounter on a daily basis, like traffic and traffic accidents and weather and all the kinds of things that can disrupt the best laid plans, right? Exactly. Um, so I, I, that made me, your comment made me think of that immediately. And I think that's a really important step for others in the organization, other than field service engineers, to become at least somewhat familiar with the job that the field service engineer does and how they have to, how they do it and all the, the uh, obstacles, so to speak, that they may encounter in the process of doing their job. The other thing it made me think of is um, I did a podcast some time ago with a fellow that used to be the uh, head of uh, Siemens industrial automation. Mm -hmm. And he had a philosophy outside in management, but outside in management, which again is managing based upon what's not, not what's happening inside the core of your organization, but what's happening outside. And in this sense, I would incur, I would think of the field service engineers being outside, you know, mm -hmm. what, what are the need, what are their needs? What are their issues that you have to address? And I think as part of change management, it's important for executive management to have that perspective. Yeah, and I think that, and I think they they often don't, and that's not you know not not for want of doing it. You know, it's usually you know issues with time, and and also I think we don't understand the environment that they work in. If we are in the, you know at our desk in an office every day, uh, they are out in the field, as you said, and also a client's premises can be very different. So even things like you know connectivity, you know with Wi-Fi, being able to find the right person, you know in a building, you know getting the contact person, and all the things that might prevent them from actually just getting access to a building where they're supposed to be doing a job. You know, these are not right. things that involve you doing the fixing. They're just the obstacles that you have to go over in order to get to the point where you start the job. So I think sometimes people can feel controlled by thinking, okay, well, this software is going to be tracking my every move, checking up on me and what I'm doing, you know, and actually I've spent half an hour trying to get to the right person um, at the organization. And, you know, and I've had issues with connectivity. And so I think anything that we can do to provide them with information, you know, like where you're going to go, who's going to be there, sending reminders to customers about the fact that they need to be, you know, in situ when the engineer arrives, all those customer communications that are going to be overlaid on top of this software potentially are what are going to help the, the, the engineer as well. Yeah. And I think another point uh, that kind of touches on what, what you just said is the importance of uh, allowing the engineer to have access to all the information he or she needs about yeah. the customer and about the product and about the location where the service uh, is to be done. So yeah. if they have access to all the historical data about services been provided to the customer and more specifically the service bins that has been provided to the actual product that they're dispatched to work on today, that's just going to help them do their job better. And uh, I think that is certainly part of uh, those capabilities are certainly part of most field service management solutions. I know it's very definitely a part of our, our solution, Zuper. And if we can provide that kind of information in a real in real time when it's needed to the field service people, that's going to help them do a better job. And it's also going to have a positive impact on the customer satisfaction at the end of the job as well. 
Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, the, at the end of it, also ensuring that engineers know the whole process. So, you know, again, playing back the story of, you know, how a, how a job is created by a customer, how that moves into, you know, the area where you're then triaging the work, how that moves to the field technician. So they understand that full life cycle. And most importantly, you know, what what's happening on the customer side. So yeah. what notifications will the customer receive? Whereas in the past, that, that communication may have been, you know, less frequent. But now it is, you know, hopefully when they turn up, it's not a surprise the customer knows who they are you know they maybe know a little bit of information about that technician and why they've been selected and then the whole you know idea of potentially being able to capture customer feedback right on site get the customer to sign you know all these little things that make the customer you know much happier and therefore hopefully make it much more pleasant for the the technician or installer to do their work sure let me let me transition a little bit to a, a, a related topic of course what is the role and what is the responsibility of executive management in this mm-hmm. change management process when they are implementing a new field service technology? So in my experience, one of the key benefits of having a project team and project stakeholders is that they not only communicate you know, the, the goals and vision behind a project, but that they should also be walking the talk. So that that, may, that means not only being involved in using the software, not just using it for reporting, but also looking to see how they can support users and how they can get obstacles out of the way for, for users of new software. So that means you know, maybe allocating resources, making sure that there's you know, plenty of resource to ensure that we can test and train thoroughly. Right. That means, you know, hearing people when they have issues and and then hearing the true message behind any kind of negativity because often behind negativity there is often fear or a worry that I'm not going to be able to do my job properly so sometimes you know we we can misconstrue messages because as adults we don't like to say hang on I I don't I didn't understand or hang on you know this is harder than I thought Mm -hmm. so I think you know objectives executives have a really important you know role to play in terms of that support function and that support can be you know on the human side but also on the side of you know providing the right resources and sufficient time and energy to the project and so again they can sometimes get pulled away on a project to other priorities and then that's when the project may start to flounder because it's just not getting the right consistent attention over time we start off with a big bang and then it kind of gets messy in the middle. Um, and then, you know, and then we wonder why maybe things haven't landed as well as they could have done. So it's making time that the whole team, you know, has got the right time available and the experience to ensure that it's a success- successful project. Yeah. And I think it's also important, and, and you implied this as well, that the uh, the support and the commitment of executive management not be short-lived. It has to be sustained throughout the entire the entire duration of the project. That means from the selection process, the identification selection process, the initial implementation, the the prototypes or the, uh, escaping me, but the prototypes and the the continued rollout to the rest of the team Mm -hmm. and beyond. So if people don't think that management, executive management is behind this effort, then they're not going to be behind it. You know, if if my executive doesn't care whether this is successful or not, Kind of like, you know, why should I? And yeah, that's and just going to have a negative impact, right? 
Yeah, and it's exhausting, you know, because these projects, you know, they, they, they'll last, you know, three months, six months, nine months, 12 months. And then even once they're finished, you know, there's going to be new work to do um, as new ideas come along and we have ideas for how to improve it even more. Um, and so I think keeping that energy going is also really important. So and sometimes you can lose stakeholders along the way because of job changes. Sure. Um, but equally, I think looking looking at it as a plan and how do we keep the motivation going? How do we keep the energy going? And that might mean bringing in new people along the project to kind of give it a new you know, infusion of positivity, but, but also obviously being realistic about, you know, challenges maybe in the marketplace, but yeah, and energy and commitment, number one thing from executives. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I, I completely agree. One of the things that I've suggested to people in the past too, is when you're implementing when you're going through a major change management uh, process, regardless of why, I think it's important also to put some rewards in place. That's okay. a suggestion that I've made to people where to gain positive visibility across the entire enterprise, so to speak, it's really important to recognize those people that have contributed significantly positively to yes. the success of the project. W what are your thoughts about that? Well, yeah, I mean, I'll, I, I can even think back to a project I worked on many years ago and, and all the people that were involved in the project, you know, we all got a, a, an extra day off and we were, you know, treated to going to a spa. You know, and it, was, <laughs> it was a relatively small project looking back, but, you know, it was something that was that was pleasant and unexpected. And, and I think it can be, you know, it can be something small. It can just be, you know, giving you some time back. But yeah, I think it's also about making sure that we recognize the milestones that you have met, you know, because again, you get ensconced in, you know, the slog of making it happen and yeah. the deadlines um, and you kind of need to come up for air and, you know, recognize how far far you've come. Also recognize that there are going to be unexpected challenges along the way. And, you know, and that that's part of the project as well. Um, you know, stuff happens. <laughs> yeah, that's life, right? So, yeah. yeah. And that's where it's important then that the champions also become very important, whether they're external, whether they're out in the field or in the back office, everybody has an opportunity to create in a, contribute, excuse me, in a positive way. Yeah. And I, I think it's important not only to perhaps provide some rewards like a, you know, a few hours at a spa, a day at the spa, which is a great story, by the way, but also just the recognition that people get. You know, people like to be recognized for their efforts. So I think it's important for management to put some kind of a program in place to make sure the people that are helping to make it a success, success are recognized and often and sometimes rewarded as well. One thing that, that I always love about any project is that you sometimes find those, those rising stars. You know, there are some people that are the quiet ones in the corner. You know, uh, certainly when I've worked in, you know, big call center implementations, um, you know, there's a lot of people that are all doing the same job. But then if you introduce some new technology, there'll be some people that, you know, were just hidden behind the scenes and you see that they're really methodical. They're really good at process. Uh, they just get it, you know, and 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 then seeing how they, their, their career can evolve, you know, from being part of that project. So I think seeing a project of any kind, whether it's technology or not, you know, is an opportunity for learning and growth in your career rather than just, you know, an extra thing I have to do. So helping right. people recognize that, that that's why you're part of the project. You're part of the project because of your expertise, but also because we see it as, you know, a path potentially to, to more development. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's sometimes a downside too to, to people. There are people that are naysayers that are, 
obstacles to success. And it's important to understand that may happen in your implementation. And you have to have a plan as to how you deal with that. You know, how do you, how do you bring those people around? What steps do you need to take? How do you engage them with the champions or how do the champions engage with them to kind of change their mind and bring them around? It's, it, I think it's an important to recognize that those obstacles, those people may exist sometimes in a project. And if you cannot bring them around, then sometimes you have to let them go. And so that's, yeah. that's the reality sometimes as well. I've lived through that myself in a, in a couple of implementations. So I, I wasn't mm-hmm. the one let go, by the way, but. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, like, yeah. And, and you're right. It's, it's, you know, projects present a change, don't they? They present a change in the organization strategy. They present a change in response to the market. And so again, you know, people can look at the technology saying, oh, the technology, you know, lost me my job. It's not that. It's actually, you know, the whole project is there for a reason for the organization. And sometimes, yeah, maybe people who are older don't want to learn new new technology maybe younger people you know don't want to be forced into a particular type of a role there's lots of reasons why we don't want to move with that change so yeah I think it's it's about being you know honest about the people that need to be part of the new organization and recognize you know where there are maybe people that are are less inclined to go down that route but then equally support them in finding something that's more suitable maybe not within yeah, your organization or in that department they might just move to a different department yeah. um but yeah i think it it's it's about recognizing again why the organization has got to go down this route and so it's for the benefit of the the whole rather than individuals yeah i i think it's probably the exception that those things happen where somebody yeah. you know where you, you need to reassign someone or worse you know let them go from the company but uh, unfortunately, it does happen on occasion, and, and I think people that are implementing new technologies need to be prepared for that in case it happens to them. But thankfully, I think in most cases, people are anxious to help adopt a new technology and will will participate positively, especially if you set up the change management process such that you've identified some champions to help um, convey that positive message. So that. And that just reminded me, actually, I remember delivering some training once about about a, CR, a CRM solution. And mm-hmm. it was all about, you know, the new tools that are there to help, you know, kind of those those tools in the middle between point and click configuration and writing pure code. And, and this new technology was going to enable right. business users to do, you know, more of the things that developers used to do. And right. I remember, you know, delivering this course to this team of developers who you could just feel the tension in the room because they were <laughs> probably thinking, well, where's my job going? You know, much, much the same as we did, you know, when the internet first came and now with AI, you know, but, but a lot of it is about, look, we want to take away you know, the, the the drudgery and the admin, you know, what we want to do is free up the time so that your real skills could be used in much more innovative and, you know, exciting ways rather than you doing, you know, the more mundane things. But that comes back to communication and messaging and understanding, you know, why people might fear this new technology or this new change uh, and being really clear yourself about the impact on those different job roles, as you said. Yeah, I think that's an important point because when people are implementing these new technologies, a new field service management system, 
the bottom line really is that the f- people in the field, the field service engineers, he or she is able to actually provide more value to the company, yeah. to the customer and to the company. And if they're providing more value to the customer and to the company, then the odds are they're going to also have some additional pride in themselves in the work that they do. And they're likely to, they're less likely to look around for something else, right? And they're more likely to stay if they have a better positive view of the value that they're adding for the customer, for the company and for themselves. Yeah. And also it it, it is a benefit to be working for an organization that has you know, the hot tools of the, the month, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there's yeah. nothing worse than, you know, working at an organization where you've got, you know, the, a really old version of, of Word or you've got a really old version of, you know, something yeah. from 20 years ago and, and you're plodding along and it's, and it's really slow and it just makes your life hard work. So I think yeah. being part of an organization that has modern tools you know, is also a good reason to stay. And that that's also what you want, you know, to ensure that you keep that, 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 that talent within the organization and you certainly don't lose it. Yeah. I think that's a, an important point that as the older generation sort of retires or goes part-time and they take a lot of tribal knowledge with them, it's helpful to recruit younger people into the field service ranks if those younger people know that they're going to be using the latest technologies to do their job because they're already used to them and they want to use them. So if I'm a field service engineer candidate and I can go to work for company A that is still using whiteboards to manage the dispatch process and paper forms on clipboards versus company B where, gee, I've got, uh, they've, they're using Zuper field service management and I can do all my work on my iPhone and gee, they have imp- implemented some artificial intelligence capabilities and automatic scheduling and routing. I'm going to go there because that's the technology I want to use, right? And perhaps the whiteboard is an extreme example, but I think the point is made. Oh, no, they're still out there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I know. I know they are spreadsheets and whiteboards and yeah. So uh, listen, we're running up on time now. So I want to ask you, if I may, one final question. Mm-hmm. What is the best advice that you would give to management and those involved in selecting new field service management tools, technology tools? What's the best advice you would give them with regard to implementing and sustaining good change management practices? For me, it's taking the time to gather those requirements in a formal way. And that doesn't mean to be, you know, pages and pages of, of, of documented requirements, but it means taking as much time and care about making that choice as you would about any other important decision in your life. I think often, you know, people are attracted to, you know, a website that looks good. They'll, you know, click around, get a demo, off we go, you know, and actually they haven't thought about what are all the things that we currently use and what are all the things that we want to be using or doing in future if we were running, you know, our company as best as possible. And again, you know, I've worked for companies where this could be, you know, a day's workshop where we intensely brainstorm everything that's needed for other organizations. It's been something that's happened over, you know, maybe 15, 15 days time, you know, over different regions and, and, and where it's more complex. But I think if you think about, the, the weight and value of this project to the organization, making sure that you devote the corresponding amount of time to make that investment 
is well worth it. And, and that is also about, you know, not just getting the requirements on the page, helping people understand. It also helps clarify how everybody works together, where there is commonality amongst the things that you want, and, and therefore just means that you are much more confident about the decision that you then ultimately make and that you, you've you've collectively decided where you're going to, you know, maybe go for a solution that doesn't perform so well in this space, but it gives you all of these other considerable benefits. So it's knowing why did we, what were our requirements, why did we choose it, and have we devoted enough time to methodically check that it meets those requirements? And there are lots of ways of doing it much more quickly, and there are lots of tools out there that will help you, you know, get reviews and numbers, but ultimately it's your weighting internally across the team that matters. So you can take those reviews, but you have to have looked at it, you know, from your cultural perspective, from your organization's perspective and make your ratings and your rankings. And if you don't agree, so if you've got two different team members, you know, one who internally is giving something a five and a field engineer who's going, oh, well, I saw that a three, you know, why is there that disparity? And so it again, just opens up the conversation to say, well, this works really well for us, but it doesn't work so well for me. So, you know, again, where where does it need to maybe flex? But I think a lot of companies rush the requirements gathering and the selection stage. And I think what you need to do is make sure that that is proportional to the value and ultimate goal of the, the whole project. Yeah, I think to me, in a way that means, you know, make sure you look at the big picture. Yeah. Evaluate, evaluate all the requirements from everyone that's going to be touched, all the stakeholders. And I would just add to that, look to the future. Yes. What other things are you going to need down the road? And can the solution that you're thinking of implementing also accommodate your future needs? Right. Yeah. So and that's the, part of the big picture too. Yeah. And I think also terminology, why, you know, again, stating out those, stating those requirements and saying, you know, it's not that we need this to be blue, you know, it's, it's, we want this to be highlighted and visible, you know, or it needs to be mm. easy to notice. So I think actually writing the requirements together in a language that's easy for people to understand, not sure. speak, then helps people see actually, yeah, that the reason I want that is because I'm trying to understand this or notice this rather than, you know, having to define exactly how something is presented on the screen. Yeah. Well, this has been extraordinarily helpful. It's very nice to, uh, I'm really pleased to have met you and to have had this opportunity to speak with you about change management. Before we go, would you like to let people know how they can contact you and learn more about your company? Thank you. Uh, yeah, thanks, Michael. It's been lovely to sure. speak to you as well. It's been a really interesting conversation. I'm very happy to speak to anybody that would like to uh, chat further about selection or, or CRM. Uh, my website is vanessahunt.co.uk. That's V-A-N-E-S-S-A-H-U-N-T.co.uk. And then on there, you'll find you can contact me by email or phone or fill in a form. <laughs> Great. Thank you, Vanessa, so much for your time today. And uh, I hope you have a great evening. Thanks very much. Have a good evening too. All right. Michael, how can people get in touch with you? Well, they can uh, send me a, an, an email to michael at zooper.co. And let me emphasize that it's .co, not .com. And uh, they can find me on the on the website. Now, there is there is somebody on the website named Michael Israel that's a very famous artist. That's not me. 
So, so <laughs> he, he, he might have to scroll down just a little bit, but uh, you okay. can find me on the website. And also you can uh, look up Zuper and learn more about Zuper at uh, zuper.co as well. Thank you, Wendy. Fantastic. And thank you for listening today. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with your friends. Until next time, I'm Wendy McConnell. Thanks for listening to Zuper FM, field service your way. We hope you found this podcast helpful and informative and that you'll be able to apply some of the insights and tips from this conversation to elevate your customers' experiences through superior field service delivery. Thanks again.